This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox, and in just a few moments, John Carlson will join us to talk about the pressure the government is under to change that stress test and to take a fresh look at Metro Vancouver real estate. But first, here are some more of this week's top consumer stories. Airbnb has announced a pilot program for Canadian guests under the age of 25 that will prevent them from booking local entire home listings in Canada. A senior vice President announced the changes in order to reduce incidents of unauthorized parties. On Wednesday, Canadian guests will still be able to book hosted listings, which are private rooms in a person's primary residence, along with hotel rooms through the platform. However, guests under the age of 25 who, quote, meet a certain criteria and have good reviews on Airbnb, close quotes, will still be able to book entire homes. This announcement comes following a tragic shooting at a Toronto Airbnb. Airbnb that left three people dead on the 31st of January. Airbnb also announced a 24-7 neighborhood support hotline here in Canada to allow people to flag concerns directly to the company. The pilot program and support line are expected to launch in Canada next week. Tough times in the cannabis biz. Two major players this week announcing cutbacks and layoffs. Licensed producer Tilray announced late Tuesday that they'll be laying off 10% of its staff in an effort to cut costs. Uh, They're hoping for achieving better profitability, says the CEO. Tilray employs over 1,400 people globally, with a majority of them here in Canada and in Portugal. They declined to specify which departments will be affected by the layoffs, and the very next day, Aurora Cannabis announced a dramatic restructuring that involves nearly $800 million in goodwill write-downs and the departure of hundreds of staff, including its CEO. The Edmonton-based Aurora revealed on Thursday after markets closed and a few hours after trading of its stock was halted that Terry Booth, the CEO and co-founder, will immediately retire and it will eliminate the positions of about 500 staff, 25% of which are corporate positions. Aurora's website boasts of 3,400 employees, which could mean the staff reductions may include about 15% of its workforce. And while many of our concerns about travel these days are rightfully focused on China, we've reported on this show before about Jamaica. And this week, the Canadian government updated its travel advisory on Jamaica with an update on the state of emergency. Jamaica's elected officials have extended the state of emergencies in Kingston and other regions like St. James Parish, which includes Montego Bay, until spring due to a spike in crime. In the advisory, tourists thinking about visiting Jamaica are warned to exercise a high degree of caution due to the high level of violent crime. Its website lists several potential dangers for tourists, including armed robbery and murder, petty crime, fraud, assault, and spiked food and drinks. As we reported here in early 2019, Jamaica's authorities declared a state of emergency in several areas due to violence, and now that has been extended until the spring. The Government of Canada's very useful travel website is travel.gc.ca. 
Those are some more of the week's top consumer stories. We'll look at a few more later in the hour, too. But coming right up is John Carlson, back with a fresh look at Metro Vancouver Real Estate. Stay with Vancouver Consumer and keep it right here on CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer for a Saturday afternoon, second hour. I'm Sterling Fox, joined in studio by John Carlson, Personal Real Estate Corporation. Johnny Smartpoint is back in the house. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Sterling. Great to be again. Good to have you with us. It's uh, lots to talk about today and uh, uh, lots in the papers about uh, real estate and politics and all the rest of it. But we are just uh, getting some numbers for the first month of 2020. 2019, you and I have agreed a couple of times already, uh, was pretty flat year compared to the insanity we've seen in this market for in previous years. So as we move around the corner into the new year, first month of 2020, John, how does it look? You're right. We've got uh, January under our belts and uh, we've had a chance to look back and see what the numbers look like. Mm -hmm. And I think that all signs are very positive for the real estate market in Greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. Um, If you look at January this year compared to 2019, they're two different scenarios. Really? And, and last year, I mean, well, you look at the numbers, we're up over 30% in overall uh, sales in January compared to the year prior. But we've climbed up only to, you know, very near the 10-year average mark. It's not like we're booming and going crazy, uh, you know, compared to the last 10 years. But we've climbed up to that average or a percent or two below. We're sort of back to normal conditions. We've come back to a very normal and reasonable market. Whereas last year in January, I think a lot of people, you know, thinking people were looking at the scenario, looking at the landscape, the changes... And they said, you know, maybe this is not for us. And they backed away and the numbers fell. And we went through all that in the spring talking about those numbers and those markets. And then, you know, as we discussed, the summer comes along and people, you know, the the market market hadn't fallen. uh, Prices had maybe come down. And people started to, I think, start to investigate the market more. And by September, October, November, and even December, we had our strong months of the year. Right. Where the numbers came back up to more traditional type numbers. Right. And you had predicted that. at the Towards the end of a very flat summer, you were saying, look, things will pick up in the fall. And uh, they absolutely did. Now, it wasn't outrageous. It didn't set any new world records. But it picked up. And it allowed the year to finish a whole lot better than it started. That's right. And now January of 2020 is much more positive than last year. And that's just one of the signs. I think that points to a market that's going to be, I'm calling it right now. I mean, it's a wait and see thing. It depends on how quickly inventories that hit the market are snatched up and sold versus stagnating on the market, which you know would bring prices down. So it depends. I'm still in a wait and see, but I'm calling this a Goldilocks market. Um, and by that, I mean, it's not too hot in a market that we've seen maybe three years ago. If you wanted to buy a home, you kind of had to put yourself through the ringer and jump through hoops and take a lot of chances and maybe uh, have a lot of your hair fall out or go go gray in the process. That's right. Whereas now, um, you know, there are properties selling in relatively quick periods of time. The good listings are, are getting activity. And if you are someone like most who maybe wants to buy a property but needs to sell first, mm-hmm. you're in a good situation because you can accurately put your home on the market and take your time in terms of finding another place and put the two deals together. And that's what everybody wants. People, if you're buying and selling, I think one of the key goals is, of course, maximizing the price and putting as much money in your pocket as you can, but it's also the timing. Getting sold, you know, and getting the right price at the right terms, and that sometimes takes a little bit of time, and coordinating that with the purchase where you've taken some time and found the right property that you didn't just settle for because it was the only thing on the market. Exactly. And you put the two together and you live happily ever after. Interesting stuff. Now, you talked about sales being up darn close to 30% year over year, January to January. How about prices, John? Where are prices now versus where they were last January? 
You know, the prices are very close to where they were last January in all the segments. Uh, the detached housing market is the most expensive market, the highest end, and sure. it had the most adjustment to do. But if I recall, January through 19 to now, we're only down maybe 1.7, 2%, something that price-wise, because mm-hmm. there was a bit of an adjustment. Um, condos and townhomes are closer to 1%, maybe off, because we saw prices drop a little bit. But, you know, I think that there's definitely a lot of signs that the market is stabilized price-wise. I'm not looking at prices falling at all mm-hmm. in the foreseeable future, mm-hmm. uh, maybe with the exception of extremely high-end home properties, that sort of thing. Uh, but I also, you know, don't see prices skyrocketing. But I think there are a lot of uh, indicators that we're going to be solid, and we may see in some segments, depending on how you know how active the buyers are, we may see prices creep up a little bit again. But that remains to be seen. Interesting stuff. Now you talked about how, and we talked about it a lot last year, how a lot of uh, players in the real estate game took one look at the conditions and decided they were unfavorable and decided to just step back and maybe not uh, go ahead and execute that plan quite so quickly. And a lot of them just sat on the sidelines for the better part of a year. Some of them got busy towards the end of the year. John, a lot of the people who did sit on the sidelines last year were first-time home buyers. Yes. People who have no experience going into the real estate game uh, and yet got the feeling, just sort of caught the vibe that this might not be the right time, and they too sat on the sidelines. Well, a lot of those people, I think, I'm agreeing with your predictions, not for huge price increases and craziness again in 2020, but more activity and more consistent activity this year is quite likely. And a lot of those first-time buyers are going to get in the game for the first time in their lives this year. So talk to us a little bit about taking those first steps. Now, whether you've got a home to sell and and you've been sitting on your hands or whether you've just been waiting and trying to accumulate enough largesse to get in the game in the first place, there's all the the matter of the first step, letting somebody know you're interested in playing. Absolutely. Uh, And you hit on a couple of things that I'd like to talk about. You're, You're very accurate and right on. I do recall last year, Uh, from a listing point of view a couple of times where I had a listing and offer would come from another agent. It looked like it was going together. And on more than one occasion, I got a call close to subject removal. Hey, you know, these young guys, my buyers are first time buyers. They're, you know, their family members have scared them a little bit. Their mortgage broker has, and they're they're not going to go through with the purchase. They're going to, they're going to step back. So we were seeing some of that. And last minute, uh, some of that, new buyers, of course, are very cautious. I mean, you got to get in at the right time and get the right deal. And I understand all of that. But what that means is when there is a pent up demand that's been frustrated, that leads to the second point that, 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 that has me thinking the market is going to be a little more robust is those people waited, but they're not going to wait forever. So the activity, like the belly of the snake is going to work through. Now it's a, it's not a huge demographic of people that have waited, but I think it is somewhat significant. In fact, significant enough that the inventory that hits the market is going to probably be snapped up. Interest rates are still low. They dropped again a little bit. Mm-hmm. And the feeling is with a lot of these young first-time buyers that, you know, the the, the, the weather, the, the, the environment is just right for them right now. Mm-hmm. You know, prices have come down a bit, but they're still not cheap. Interest rates have come down. You can get longer mortgages. There still is the stress test, and we'll sure. talk about that. We will. Uh, but... Uh, a young family, a couple, an individual, first-time buyers are in a position where they can comfortably make a good decision going forward. And, you know, it's hard to time markets. When do you buy? Is the market high? Is it low? Just like the stock market, they say, don't don't try to time it. 
make a good decision, do your homework, buy and hold. And I think for young buyers, that's a great philosophy right now because you can get reasonable financing, you can get reasonable pricing. You can buy in Vancouver, you can buy all the way out to the Fraser Valley and White Rock and Surrey and Abbotsford sure. and Maple Ridge and all mm-hmm. these areas. And there are affordable uh, listings out there. So once again, I'm calling for a market that is stable, not spectacular, but it might just be the right market for most buyers and sellers. John, there's another group that I'd like you to speak to. Again, we'll talk more about agency and relationships and how to how to secure the services of, of a, a qualified professional and all that sort of thing. The other group that I'd like you to speak to, in addition to the first-time buyers, are the first-time in a long time, sellers. Yes. People, people who have been sitting on that property, they paid for it back in the 80s, for crying out loud. It's, it's just, it's, it's theirs. Yes. And now it's time to execute the retirement plan. It's time to downsize, put some dough in the bank, travel a little bit, stop doing all the work. And those people haven't been in the real estate game, John, in some cases for decades. Yes. And it's a whole new ball game, isn't it? It is, and that's another great point. And I do meet with a large segment of people who, like you say, have not been in the market for many, many years. In Mm -hmm. fact, just this week, I'm not going to name anyone, but I met with a great couple. They've been in their home 30 plus years. Okay. And, you know, the the idea was, you know, they called me and we had a nice discussion and it kind of went like this. Hey, we're not... We're not in a rush. We're not quite sure. We've looked at some of these condo pre-sales that may be a year or two out. And gee, how would we go about this? And what's our home worth? But more importantly, you know, how would we go about... uh, maximizing our sale and landing in a place that we're happy with and making it a smooth transition because it's it's stressful. And let's face it, it's never quite as simple as just doing some math. There's oftentimes there's kids and grandkids Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, you know, family bills that could be paid and people that need a handout or help. And oftentimes people that are downsizing it, it's not just about them. Sometimes they want to achieve, uh, you know, their, 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 their downsizing goal, but they've got family members to consider as well. So there's a fair bit to think about, but that's one of the reasons I think that, that people call in a professional. You can you can go online, you can look at listings, you can get some information, but at some point, I think people like to call in a professional like myself and say, hey, here's our plan, this is our roadmap, we're not necessarily in a hurry, but can you maybe give us a help with some timelines and right. give us some advice on how to get from A to B and make it you know, as smooth as possible. So talk to us a little bit about that, that you're the professional, you're the seasoned pro, two dozen years in the business, President Club Awards, the whole bit, thousand homes sold. So how do you initiate, you don't initiate, people hear you on the radio here with me and uh, call the number and arrange an appointment, invite you over to their homes, and they, then they ask you perfectly reasonable questions, particularly if they're talking about a home that's not going to be available for two years. We need to put a game plan together here. That's right. So when you do that, when you come to someone's home and you sit down and have a cup of coffee and talk about their lives and their plans, yes. how do you initiate, how do they feel secure about what you're conversing about remains confidential and all of that sort of stuff? Do they have to sign something before you even accept a cup of coffee? How does it work? That's another great question because this this goes to really uh, the heart of what I want to talk to today. Uh, I'll be on this program about every two weeks for the rest of the year. Okay. And I thought that today we might talk about the very beginning stages. You have some real estate thoughts, ideas, you've done your homework, but then it comes time to call in a professional, maybe myself, maybe somebody else. We as professionals, licensed professionals in the real estate industry, have a duty. When we meet a client or a potential client for the first time, we have to remember that we are the professionals, we have knowledge, but the client or potential client 
doesn't necessarily have any of these skills or understanding of how this process works. Sure. So we as professionals, and this is a new, relatively new requirement. There's a form that comes out when I sit down with people, you know, we start to talk and I always say, hey, wait, you know, I got to kill the vibe here and I got I to get into some technical stuff. And I pull out a, uh, an agency brochure and I show them, I say, you know, I'm a professional and you're not. I have a duty to explain to you how there's two ways this conversation could go. If you would like not to have any relationship with me in terms of agency relationship, we can talk about things, but you probably don't want to reveal too many your details. bottom line yeah, or your motivation yeah. because without a relationship, I don't owe anyone the duties of confidentiality or full disclosure. In fact, if I meet with someone and they tell me, hey, you know, our house is worth this, but we're in a hurry, we'd probably sell less, and then they don't list with me, and I ended up having a buyer interested in that property, I have an you agency relationship with the buyer, take. and That's I have right. a duty to tell them everything. Right. So I have a duty to bring this, con- this up and say, hey, before we get into this, let's talk about the agency relationship. And I have a very simple and easy solution that most potential clients think is the best way to go. And what I do is I say, you don't have to sign anything. You're not committed to working with me, but I would like to step into the role of your agent. In other words... Everything that we talk about today is confidential. So you're volunteering. I volunteer that, yes. Okay, all right. And I also volunteer uh, agency relationships so that I can give full disclosure of everything I know. If someone starts asking me for advice about timing or pricing, I suddenly step into the role where I'm, I'm providing trading services. Sure, right. And this is how agency is defined. It's not a piece of paper. It's your conduct. I like to be free to give the best information I can and to hear everything the potential client has to say. Sure, just so to I, be fair in terms of your responses. That's right. Yeah. So I voluntarily, I say, how's this work? I'll voluntarily step, you can sign this, you don't have to sign it, but I'm going to put my name down here. I'm going to check the boxes saying we've talked about the confidentiality, the full disclosure, the loyalty, and I'm going to owe you all of those duties. We usually end up working together anyways, and we already have a relationship that way. Right. The only downside is if they chose another agent and I already had a relationship with them, I would be disqualified from writing an offer from a buyer's agent because you can't represent two sides. Of course. And there are ways around that too. I mean, uh, you could give me a release. And I, but this is kind of a, a remote possibility. So I, when I meet with people, I explain the situation to them to make sure they feel comfortable. Uh, they are always in control. I just sit down. Once I explain agency, I just let them know. Now I'm an open book. I'll tell you the truth as I understand it. I'll give you the best advice I can. So let's talk. So there's no commitment beyond enjoy the coffee and the conversation for that opening uh, encounter. That's right. I do enjoy a nice black coffee, I will say. But, uh, yeah, agency. <laughs> He's free. All right. John Carlson is with us. Uh, Johnny Smartpoint is the website, friends. JohnnySmartpoint.ca. Have a look while we take a break for global news. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer here on CKNW. I'm Sterling Fox. John Carlson, Johnny Smartpoint is back with us today talking about Metro Vancouver real estate and agency relationships. How to get the ball rolling if you're deciding to sell your home or or buy one or perhaps both or you're getting into the game for the first time. Clearly, the game has changed and become so complex that do-it-yourself, John, it's an option. You can go online and YouTube and all those places, but boy, I'll tell you, it's a heck of a a maze to navigate all by yourself. Well, I'm glad there's that option. I mean, I've had people say, hey, I've thought about selling my my own property. That's what I love about living in a free country. I mean, go ahead and sell your property. And that's wonderful. A lot of people do. Sure. Uh, On the other hand, I think significantly more people will benefit by having a seasoned professional uh, advise and help them handle the transaction. And usually the way that starts is, you know, like you say, someone might hear me on the radio and go to my website, look me up. Also, if you go to my website, johnnysmartpoint.com, you can just click for a market evaluation or you can send me a message asking me a question. Right. 
but generally speaking, you know, people uh, call and they sit down, they want to they have a conversation. So again, today, this is all about that. I think, quite frankly, that people should get more than one opinion when it comes to the value of their home. And well, oftentimes they do. Interview agents. It's not just about... I mean, and I could do a whole topic on this. Well, it's a funny story that you told Andrew and me just before we started today. You you actually met with a prospective client, a husband and wife, in a coffee shop somewhere. Yeah. And clearly, they were interviewing agents. You could tell because there were other people who looked in, uh, a lot like you uh, milling about waiting for an opportunity. So for that prospective buyer or seller... That's a pretty smart strategy. Let's first and foremost settle on someone we can work with. Exactly. And, uh, you know, it comes down to just personalities sometimes. Some personalities mesh better than others. Um, And and you mentioned a couple. We're going to hear from them on the next show. Um, They're going to... I think have a nice testimonial oh, they, and talk they, about they the process. They decided to go with Carlson, did they? Absolutely, Probably yeah. In fact, them. they've they've now um, bought their very first home. They have they just had their second child, so this is a busy, busy time in their lives. But sure. I'll, I'll back it up to the summer. I got a, an email or a phone call from a lady and said, "Could you meet my husband and I?" And we decided to meet at a coffee shop, and you know, basically, they had a list of questions ready for me. Good. You know, what are what are your qualifications? What are your uh, do you have any references? Mm-hmm. And what are your philosophies? And we went through. We it must have been an hour. We had a good time, and in the end, they decided to choose me on first time buyers. So we went through the process. It took. We wrote offers on two or three properties before we found the right one, and um, it's a process that I would say to any first time buyers out there listening. Uh, preparedness is is very important. Mm-hmm. You know, I can help people with mortgage brokers, or I can help people with, you know, uh, by sp- putting them through to other people when it comes to RSP programs and all those sort of financial advisors. But a good agent will explain to them, kind of listen first of all, and find out where do you want to be, what's your budget, what's important, mm-hmm. and then try to put that into a, a plan. To basically, it's looking at listings and fine tuning as you go, and helping people decide. You know, is this house? I can't decide if it's right for them or not, but I can help them decide if it's a good value or if, from a salesperson's point of view, if it's going to be a good resale property in the future and if it meets their needs or if there are any challenges maybe in the surrounding areas they're not familiar with. So once again, all these things we can talk about in person, but for young first-time buyers or any first-time buyers or people who are selling that haven't been in the market for a long time, mm-hmm. I think one of the most important things you can do is find somebody uh, who's a good professional that will sit down, see if you like and get along with that person and see if that person offers you uh, what you're looking for. Are they listening to you and receptive to your questions and are they there for you from start to finish? And I that's look, a good agent. I look forward to hearing from that uh, young family the, for that uh, you help buy their first home on an upcoming program. But we do have a few words today from a gentleman who has worked recently with John. Let's hear from Graham. My wife and I decide to sell our home and downsize, and so we heard his uh, message on CKNW, and we liked what we heard, and we liked the the rate that uh, he uh, he charges with two percent. So we um, hired him up, and he did a great job on our home, and uh, he also helped us find a. Uh, by our new home, and in both cases, he did a great job. Well, there's Graham with a pretty positive review there, Mr. Carlson. Yes. How, tell us about Graham. What part of town did he buy and sell in, and how did you get to connect with him? Uh, and thank you, Graham, for listening to CKNW. Andrew and I appreciate it very much. Yes, yeah, and again, I always feel lucky when I get to work with clients like this. Uh, Graham and Jacinta, great couple, and uh, house in Maple Ridge. 
Um, I think he mentioned there that he liked the commission structure that I have, mm-hmm. but that's not, you know, it's funny. I, I, I mentioned this to you before, but I'm getting a lot of calls now where people say, you know, John, I know that you save me money compared to most of the competition, but that's not why I called. You sound like a kind of guy that I can talk to that could give me good information and I could trust. So I just want to meet you here and make sure all that's correct. So that was uh, that's, more... that's what you want to hear. I mean, the fact that they're going to save a few bucks is a sweet bonus, no yes. question about it. But that's not the primary reason for calling. No, but if you listen to Graham, uh, Graham's house, this is a house in Maple Ridge, a okay. nice home, uh, listed right around 1.2, sale price 1.2, right in there. Uh, they kept a beautiful home, great area. I loved working for them. But I'm sure it didn't hurt uh, that most of the agents, and Graham told me this, they charge 7% on the first 100000 and 25 on the balance. And, hey, commissions are negotiable, and there's no set commissions, and I'm fine with all that. But at a 2% commission, I mean, on a $1.2 million house, it's 24000 not 34500 plus GST. So the savings is ten dollars or $11,000 of, say, of real yeah. money. Yeah, And it's not like you have to, um, you know, put up with a with an agent who uh, has no experience or doesn't know what he's doing. And that's kind of, again, back to the smart point we've talked about, Johnny. Why, why do you call it Johnny smart point? Well, I help people enter the market in the smartest position possible. That might be pricing. Well, it is pricing. It is commission structure and, and all that sort of stuff. So with Graham, I, 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 was, I loved working with him. Um, the savings on commission was ten or $11,000 compared sure. to the other guys he talked to. And in the end, we managed to coordinate a sale and a purchase and have him move in. We just gave him the keys, oh, I don't know, about a week ago to their new place. And I just want to say thank you to both of you. It's great working for you. And when I do meet with people, I sometimes say to them, you know, I just want to make you happy enough to be one of those testimonials that you heard before you called me. Let's keep this ball rolling. So I'm glad to hear they were happy. Uh, Good news. I'm quoting now from johnnysmartpoint.ca. The only discount you get with 2% Realty West Coast is keeping more of your investment for the important things in life. Technology and homes have evolved. Why haven't commissions? A reasonable question. That's right. And But the, the fact that people are calling you because they hear you and me uh, on CKNW talking about the marketplace, talking about your experience, talking about navigating the maze, one of my favorite f- expressions, only because I've done it, John. I, I bought and built a house, the whole bit. It was not easy. Right. It was bloody complicated, if you don't mind my saying so. And I couldn't, I guess I could have, but I wouldn't have wanted to do it without a, a, a veteran realtor in my corner. So, again, this is pretty basic stuff. When you talked earlier about agency relationships, one of the phrases you brought up was presenting consumer options. So when you sit down enjoying your black coffee with the people that you've now established some kind of rapport with, uh, talk to us a little bit about the options you can discuss with them. Well, when someone invites me into their home, I'm a guest. Uh, I'm an invited guest who, and I, presumably they want to hear what I have to say and they want to tell me some things, but it's not up to me how that conversation goes. Sure. And that's why I have to present these options. I mean, I've talked to people and they've said, hey, you know what, John, I don't need any agency relationship. I don't, uh, I'm not going to tell you my, my financial situation. I'm not going to tell you my motivation. We're going to keep that. There's nothing I have to worry about being confidential. Right. And I'm just going to ask you general information. Well, that's fine with me. Sure. Um, I just fill out a form saying I met with this person, no agency, and we have a conversation. Now, if that conversation starts to steer into areas where he's asking me to go into the role of an agent, I have no problem saying, hey, just so you know, I'm a very by-the-book guy. In two decades or 24 years of real estate, I've never had a black mark on my record. I've never needed my errors and emissions insurance or had counsel discipline me. I want to keep it that way. Sure. I just, you know, I just follow. I'm a by-the-book kind of guy. Mm -hmm. So if it comes down or more commonly, 
I'll say to people will start wanting some advice about what they can do a year or two years from now. I say, hey, how about this? Why don't I just step into the role of your agent? You don't have to sign anything. You're not committed to me. But that frees me up to really ask you the kind of questions that I need to ask to give you the right answers. And it frees me up to just be an open book and give you all the information I can. So, again, it's the consumer option, how they want to handle any meeting with a, with a licensed professional uh, real estate agent like myself. But I do have a duty when I first meet people to present that to them and let them know and understand, hey, let's talk about how we want to proceed because I want to make sure I do a good job for that person and I want to make sure they're comfortable and they need to know they're not committed to me until such a time as they feel good enough they want to sign a listing contract or something like that. Need to talk about the stress test, Mr. Carlson, because we promised our listeners we would. You've been uh, speaking with mortgage brokers lately. You do it all the time as a function of your job. But, of course, there's a lot of chatter going on about the stress test. Uh, The finance minister will submit the new government's budget next month. There's considerable pressure being brought to bear on the government by your community, the realtor community, right across Canada, to knock down the stress test a little bit. The banks, of course, are resisting it because they're what the stress test is all about and caught in the middle, as usual, the consumer. Sure. So what what you, what you are you and your mortgage broker pals talking about in terms of expectations vis-a-vis the stress test? Well, first of all, the stress test, I think, was introduced um, for good reasons. I never had a problem with the stress test. I don't want to see the market uh, get so out of uh, flux that we have a damaging moment and people... You know, we looked and saw what happened down south a number mm-hmm. of years ago, and we have to be cautious. We have to be prudent to some degree when it comes to finance. Uh, so the stress test was something that I thought was probably a good measure, and it did have an effect in terms of reducing buying power right. for a lot of average consumers, which keeps them from, you know, let's face it, for a while, consumers were just opening their wallets and dumping them out, and the guy with the most money wins and gets the house, and we wanted to maybe see that go away. Mm-hmm. Um, so the stress test, I've never had a problem with it. There is uh, a bit of lobbying. Uh, the real estate professionals obviously would probably do more business if the stress test wasn't there. Of course, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, banks would probably like to lend more money than less, so I'm sure they're okay with it. Uh, and from what I've heard, there's been a, quite a bit of lobbying, and there's no decisions yet. Here's, right. what, here's what I've heard. I've heard that we may be looking for maybe a point off of the stress test. Right. Probably not going away entirely. And um, if I had to guess, that kind of uh, fits into the way I see the government patterns. I mean, they'd probably reduce it and maybe eventually get rid of it. So again, this is nothing but a wild guess. But your purchasing power as a buyer may go up a little bit as the stress test buffer drops a percentage point, And we're just going to, I'm going to have to wait and see just like everybody else. But isn't it automatic, though, that if the government does tweak the, twa- the, the the stress test a little bit, lowering it, that's only going to cause house prices to go further. That'll just, in, the, the gap will be filled almost instantly. I think it, it does help uh, push prices up a little bit, but you have to remember that consumers are also calling for this. A lot of regular families with one or two jobs are saying, hey, you know, rates are low. I need to buy a house with four bedrooms. I have three kids. Mm-hmm. I have the ability at the, at, the, at the interest rates to make this purchase. Sure. But you, the government, are, are stepping in and being a nanny, I guess, and, and reducing my buying power. So there are a lot of consumers that say, hey, I want to maximize my buying power and I want to buy. So there is that on the consumer side as well. Uh, and again, we're going to have to wait and see how it plays out. Absolutely. I'm glad that you were able to respond to it this much. One other concept that you and I have discussed, again, from the perspective of having a professional realtor in your corner, again, navigating the maze, to use my phrase, you talk about something called defending a price. Mm. What's that? Well, if you're on the market 
and um, you have a basically you're inviting people to come and critique your property and hopefully like it enough to buy it. Uh, so you put a price on it to position it, and you'd better be ready to defend it. Unless the market is so hot that everybody's just sure. going to pay what you're asking. Right. Most we, of the time, you there. have competition. Yeah, we've been there when that that craziness goes on. It's no fun. Uh, and, uh, and and you don't have half a chance. You, you're lucky yeah. to even get a walkthrough before the next bidder is is at the front door. Those are, those times, we don't need those times back. No, but in this kind of market, again, a, a Goldilocks market perhaps, just right, right. Um, you have competition. Mm-hmm. You may be a house in Port Moody with a view. You may be a condo in Vancouver that has access to certain amenities. Whatever you have that might bring a potential buyer to look at your property, you better believe that in a balanced market that buyer has other options that are somewhat similar. So when it comes time to negotiating a price, and this is one thing that a good experienced agent is usually uh, pretty good at, is to help a potential buyer uh, come to the point where we're at, where pricing. We need to defend that price. We, we can't convince them to pay more than a property's worth, but sure. we can maybe show them why our price is reasonable and why they should pay it. Interesting stuff. Well, John's just about finished, so let me pass along the phone number here, which I suspect is going to get a little busy in the next few minutes, 604-612-0080. Again, 604-612-0080. The website is johnnysmartpoint.ca. All of that information, uh, phone numbers, you can send them an email, you can ask uh, any questions you'd like, and you can also just click on that little button rather at the top and request a free market evaluation. And if you've been sitting on the sidelines for a while, that's probably going to be step one after securing the services of a professional realtor. John Carlson, thanks for this. We'll see you soon. See you in two weeks. Back after this. Once again, our thanks to John Carlson for another informative visit. Next week, the world-class dentists from BC Perio have returned from another teaching trip and will join us with all the latest from the fast-paced world of modern dentistry. Time now for Ask Andrew. Our producer, Andrew Ferreira, has this question to deal with this time around. He has some online safety tips from Vancouver Police Department. Andrew? Yeah, Valentine's Day is coming up next week, and uh, if you're like me, you don't have somebody else. Uh, I'm not putting myself out there just as a full uh, oh, okay. disclosure. It's okay. This is a I, solicitation. I, 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 no, no, there okay. is no such thing. Just checking. But they do say, you know, there's some online, because online dating is everything nowadays. Be a little bit safer about it. So, you know, stuff like providing as little personal information as possible. Uh, choosing a profile picture that you haven't used anywhere else online. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. Because then they can't, if someone's trying to, you know, scam you or something, they can't just reverse Google search your image and find all your other profiles. They also recommend uh, taking a screenshot of someone's profile and saving it to your desktop so you can do that Google image search just in case. Let's say you found somebody who looks like the right person. Mm -hmm. You never know. Always double check with that. And always arrange to meet in a public place away from where you live so they don't exactly know where you are. Fantastic stuff. I mean, it seems pretty rudimentary, but boy, oh boy, without paying attention to small details, people can uh, really get messed up on Valentine's Day, and you just don't want to see that. Thank you, Andrew. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before we go. There's a new coffee cup recycling pilot project underway at five locations to sample our appetite for recycling our disposable coffee cups. While we may be getting a little better on the residential side, more than half of the cups that are 
are disposed of in the garbage are coming from industrial, commercial, and institutional spots. Return It, a not-for-profit with a focus on beverage container management, and Metro Vancouver are working alongside big fast food chains like Tim Hortons and A&W to find the right solution to divert used cups coming from public areas from landfill. So, as part of the initiative, customized bins are being trialed as a new way to collect disposable coffee cups in our city. Three selections in each bin, the first for the lid, the second to empty any remaining coffee, and the third to place the cup. Return at CEO Alan Langdon, a guest on this show more than once, said the world's attention is increasingly focused on the need to reduce waste, and the same goes for BC, and then talked about a research company poll finding the vast, vast majority of us, 83% in fact, of Vancouverites, believe the food service industry should provide recycling options for single-use cups. So off we go with a pilot program to try new approaches. We'll keep you posted. You've uh, probably already heard by now, but just in case you missed it, the Rolling Stones are coming back to Vancouver. The 2020 No Filter Tour kicks off May 8th in San Diego. We are going to be the second date on that tour on May 12th. It'll wrap up in Atlanta in July. Vancouver, by the way, the only Canadian city on the tour this time around. Tickets go on sale on Valentine's Day at 10 o'clock. If you have an Amex card, you'll get a chance to buy Stones tickets a day earlier. And yes, you're right. If you just asked yourself... Aren't they, like, um, super old now? Mick Jagger is 76. Charlie Watts is 78. Ronnie Wood is the baby at 72. And Keith Richard is the same age as Mick, 76. Although Keith, to his credit, has looked 76 for at least the last 30 years. Stones play BC Place on Tuesday, May 12th. And it will be fun. That's our show for this week, produced by Andrew Ferreira. If you'd like to have a question or communicate with the program at all... Uh, including a question for Ask Andrew, just tweet them to us, at Van Consumer. Or you can send me an email, sterling at cknw.com. I'm Sterling Fox. Andrew and I hope to have the pleasure of your company again next Saturday at 2, right here on CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.